Hey everybody, Brad Stevens here, founder and CEO of Outsource Access. We help companies redefine how they scale with offshore affordable staff from the Philippines. Congrats to all fellow winners of the 2023 Real Leaders Impact Awards. We are proud to be among you. About 10 years ago, I woke up to a major growth problem in my last business. Cash was tight, staff was overwhelmed, and tasks were not getting done. Then I discovered the world of offshore virtual staff in the Philippines where English is their second language, so there is no communication or culture gap. I realized outsourcing wasn't just call centers, it was access to college-educated Filipinos to support sales, marketing, operations, customer service, bookkeeping, personal tasks, and more. And in fact, the first woman I hired in the Philippines at 23 is now an award-winning COO of our entire company. It inspired me to launch Outsource Access. One client and YPO member, Ali Jamal, shared their offshore virtual staff Edison automated processes and saved them over 50,000 per year in the first few weeks. It's about finally getting things done and staff focusing on higher value activities. We've grown by over 2,000% in just three and a half years and will double next year. To receive a complimentary outsourcing playbook customized for your industry and to connect with one of our team here at Outsource Access, just visit RedefineScale.com. That's RedefineScale.com or text the word SCALE to 770-954-8440. Two months after hiring my first staff, she sent me a picture of shoes she bought for low-income children because of the opportunity. And now we support thousands of families and the environment with United Nations SDG projects. I'm proud we've grown with impact. To learn more, visit RedefineScale.com. Boom, what up? Hello, bonjour, and hola, real leaders. This is Kevin Edwards, your host here, and I am so excited. You're tuning in to one of our amazing experiences. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, real, and loaded with inspiration, guaranteed to support your impact journey. So sit back, enjoy the listen, folks share a review afterward, and always keep it real. And welcome, everyone, to this episode of The Real Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards, and joining us today, folks, we've got the CEO of Shopping Gifts. Please give a warm welcome to Mr. Ronnie Sage. Ronnie, how you doing today? Hey, Kevin, good morning, and thanks so much for having me on today. Of course. Well, it's always a pleasure to have another person who just respects the whiteboard, the process of whiteboard. How many things, how many great ideas have been in that whiteboard behind you? So this is a new whiteboard. Mm. I actually went out and just grabbed it because usually I'm a sticky note kind of guy, but then I lose the sticky notes. They don't come out as well on the paper. You know, mm. I'm taking photos of them. Um, I want to be able to erase and it's better for the environment, man. You know, just being able to have that feedback of being able to erase an idea, fix the idea, move quickly through it. So, uh, typically at home, I'm, you know, I, I used to be kind of opposed to having a whiteboard in the background, but it feels good. It reminds me of what I need to do on every call and that I have that behind me. I, you know, I can't speak enough about whiteboards. I can't recommend them to more people. It's great. Um, it, feedback it, of it. It, it's it's just uh, the best invention ever created <laughs> in my mind. In my mind, but um, <clears throat> we're not here to talk about whiteboards today. Although <laughs> it is something that might be a hack for a few, we're here to talk about Ronnie Sage and the the story of shopping gifts. So, Ronnie, um, I just want you to think back and, and be very descriptive about um, you know an experience that uh, maybe forged the company we know today as Shopping Gives. Tell us a little bit about where this concept comes from and what you were doing when you had this uh, initiative. Yeah, 
So it's a great question. Um, truthfully, this is a culmination of time mm. and ideas. Um, so I came out of, I went to school for music business, did nothing with it. I didn't know. Um, you know, I studied classical guitar early on. I was creative. Um, and I found some common themes in music and in technology and being able to drive flows and drive you know creativity and how I was able to express myself. And mm -hmm. so early on, I went into um, the affiliate marketing space and saw I was at Coupon Cabinet in early days, um, right out of college. Social media was just launching, like Twitter had just launched. Um, and I was social media director. And it was my job to figure out how to monetize Twitter and how to take affiliate Facebook and Twitter. And it was um, a, in that first moment, I saw the opportunity of taking affiliate dollars and bringing them back to nonprofits. And it was, you know, I had brought this idea. And then next step in my career, I went to raise.com marketplace. And I said, why can't we do gift cards and give back and, and take those gift cards spreads and, and fund nonprofits with them? And I brought this idea and, uh, you know, I had the idea of gift cards for giving. That was like the initial concept and, you know, it didn't move forward. And then I went into the education space and I was actually an EVP of a, of a education firm where I was building a marketplace for educators and a common theme that I was consistently hearing. This is like on the precipice of donors choose and classy and GoFundMe and Amazon smile had just launched, um, which is interesting timing on it's cyclical with them just shutting down. Um, and I saw the need for fundraising in the classroom and said, how do I build a marketplace and take these dollars and give them back to educators? And, after moving on from there, I, I had this thesis in my back of my mind. Um, when I left there, I always knew I wanted to be partners with my business partner, Phil Caulfield. Um, I've known him since I was a freshman in college, and I used to call him Phil the guy. He was my guy. He was my right hand and kind of throughout life. And I always said, when there's a time that we can start a business. So we had many failed businesses. You know, we started an interactive media, which was our parent company. I mean, still remains if you get a paycheck from us, a parent company. Um, a lesson learned is change your company and change your structure when you go through a, pivot, a major pivot and you know instrumental cap table pivot because um, that was a massive learn for us going into our seed funding and we had to do a lot of work to, to get things cleaned up. So for any any new entrepreneurs out there, you know clean your cap table and go through legacy um, concepts and you know start fresh. But in any case, we um, had a lot of learns and then finally going into my agency time. Um, I was trying to figure out how to do this. I, I didn't know how to create my own business. I was, always, I was always an entrepreneur and there was always this kind of plugging away at me, you know, pulling out my strings of how do I turn this into impact? And um, I went to um, Rise Interactive eventually in 2015, um, where I was leading um, social, uh, strategy for, you know, internet retailer was my focus vertical. Um, working with brands like Gap, David Gurman, Nikon. Um, and I gave them a non-non-compete, incredible organization. But I had a thesis on this. I said, I'm going to build shopping gifts. And I knew that the more I sold there, the more I can invest into this concept. And so we initially launched shopping gifts. For two years, I built this. By the end of my tenure at Rise, I had three employees that I was taking my commissions and paying them with. and then a little bit of uh, friends and family and uh, went and went 
full steam at it. I just had my, my, my son, my firstborn, um, you know, he was four months, five months old at that point, a little bit, a little bit older. And I jumped in, you know, head first and we had four of us in a little office and, um, we launched this as a marketplace, more focused on the nonprofit. After about six months, it was more affiliate and gift card. And so we were enabling percentage of the dollars to go back. And very quickly, um, I looked at the, the, the macro and the micro, you know, unit economics of this and said, this is not going to scale the way we need it to. Um, so this pivot moment of where we are today. So as a social impact commerce platform, um, what you see today on the site is going to be different than what you see tomorrow on the site, literally. Tomorrow we launch our new brand, um, Shopping Gives 3.0. So I encourage everybody tomorrow to go to, um, to our new website. It's going to be incredible, really drives cast of our vision and takes a lot of these learns from the last three years and brings them to life with new technology, new offerings, new ways we're presenting it, um, and a really strong focus I'll get to in the future. But um, we pivoted and it was what I call a shower moment. And this is a unique thing about me is like, I love taking showers and whiteboarding in the shower. Like I will draw, like my team knows that I will draw stuff up on the steam. And that's like my meditation place. It's not great for the environment. I know I use a lot of water probably once a week, but I will, when I have three kids, I'm not distracted. It's probably the only place nobody's bothering me. It's the only place that I can really meditate. I will have ideas and I will draw them on the steam and they will go away. So get that picture out of your mind for a second of me in the shower. But in any case, um, I come up with that's where a lot of my ideas and you know stuff come from. And I'll run out and I'll grab my phone and I'll record something, voice record something for myself that I don't forget it um, and, and kind of talk through the concept of it. And that's kind of where some of these ideas come from. So I had an idea of how do we, you know, understand the pains and working in retail historically and seeing that. There's a ton of compliance challenges. There's always bottom line goals. It always has to tie back to the individual's goals, which is when you're talking to marketing and e-commerce, performance. All the KPI acronyms that they're going to talk about. And I said, how do I make this relevant for them? And the dollars live on the retailer side. And if, I can if we can attach impact to profits, then we know it will be a positive outcome. And you know, triple win. Consumer impact bottom line. Amazon Smile was that early thesis. We saw this come up. We saw that how challenging it was for other brands. And we knew that consumers wanted passive experiences. We saw this change take place where consumers were going to destinations. Then we saw the evolution of plugins take place, right? Your honey apps and your plugins. And we had ideas of that and saying, okay, what if we make it for impact? And then I had great conversations with individuals like, um, you know, Shop runners team, and I had conversations with the Oppos team, and Klarna's team, and Afterpay's team. I talked with Nick Malmer, you know, in 2018 when we were just having this idea, and I said, "What are your thoughts?" Um, and he said, "This is the future: is integrations. Consumers are, you know, want passive experiences where they are when they're shopping. They don't want to leave the site. Merchants don't want to take you off site." I, you know, ruminated on that for a few weeks, and came back. Shower moment, truthfully, I got out of the shower. I ran to the office that day and said, guys, here's what we're doing. We're creating an integrated technology for impact that lives throughout the customer journey. How can we do this? Mm. Built mm. some early JavaScript, wrote it to a Google data sheets, 
and sold it to six partners to validate it. And that's where we started. You know, I, I'm always curious to congratulations, by the way, and, and congratulations on the launch tomorrow. That's very exciting. I'm always interested, Ronnie, to, to I'm just, I've never understood what it is about what's out there in the world and how we can just position our minds in a place that the energy comes in our minds, something hits us, and we go, bam, yep, that's it. We're going to run with this. What do you think that is in your experience as an entrepreneur? How do you like to create an environment that enables you to have that kind of flow? It gets harder and harder, honestly, Kevin. Mm -hmm. You know, as if you don't find time for it, it gets very hard to do that, which is why we did it on Saturday, truthfully, is, you know, we, we discussed right. the challenge that, that, you know, where growth comes distraction, where distraction comes more voice and where more voice comes more cloud, you know, it's, you're always having birds chirping and everyone telling you which way to look. And a lot of time that's great. And as a founder, as a CEO, it's, you know, I always say have a strong community around you, advisors, leaders, um, coaches that will guide you. And it's your job to delineate and kind of listen to all that feedback and make decisions. But that decision, there's decision fatigue because of that, is you hear different perspectives. And that's, that honestly, as a founder, it gets exhausting to have so many different perspectives and have to have conviction. And so sometimes I will make a decision and ask for trust and failure. Sometimes I will move quickly. And, you know, honestly, like there's a balance here. Like I used to be a very, very fast decision maker and have zero, you know, my fault was little planning and fail as we go to the point where, you know, we were moving very fast. We would build too much. We would go too far and then we would fail. Something would work. And my, you know, my COO, Phil, my business partner is kind of the yin to my yang. He's very programmatic. Mm. He's very, you know, outcomes oriented. Order. Yeah, order, structure, process. And I'm, you know, the keeper of chaos. That's, that's kind of what, you know, how I'm known is I, I have enough, you know, I'm very strong at sales, very strong at founder-led sales and kind of to, to, to my bane. Um, that's where I love to be. If I get stressed, I go and sell. It's kind of my joke that everyone knows is like, I'll start cold calling or picking, you know, sending cold emails or prospecting or doing something when I get stressed, which is a good stressed habit to have. It's where I default, you know, my default go-to is I fall back to and my distraction. Um, but in the creativity mindset, um, I would you know, I like those moments and that's, you know, it got, it, it was exciting and, reju you know, rejuvenating to be able to say like, let's have an idea. Let's go build it. Let's, let's go just do it and have some of those moments of testing. And I think it's the concept of like just time boxing them and saying like scheduling time for yourself to be able to get into that position. Cause it's hard sometimes to get into that frame set. There's so many of the things around you, so many emails, everything taking place. So carving out that time having the time to ramp your mind up to that time of creativity. It takes time to get into that creative mindset, which is why I like the shower. It gives me time to decompress. And then it's not just instantaneously I'm there. I have to get my mind to that position, be able to be creative. And then in that flowing state, being conscious of that flowing state and not distract myself. 
don't go get your phone right now. Don't go check your email right now. You have an impulse habit. Stay focused. And, you know, continuing to push yourself to let the creativity flow and, and drive yourself deeper and go into holes, giving yourself permission in those moments to go into holes. And like when I say holes, like rabbit holes, like let your creativity, I'll start researching something, find something else. And it becomes a tumbleweed of like, oh, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. And start listing out those ideas. And then you land in a random place and then bring them back and kind of formulate it and seeing how they all tie together. It's kind of how I work. I get it. And, you know, you, you embody what it means to be like the startup entrepreneur. Like, I feel like I'm in the room with you right now, you know, spending those late nights, constantly thinking about the business um, and, and going through those lulls, but knowing those lulls are going to you know, lead to, to new explorations and, and growth in me as an individual and in and, and and us as a company. I'm just curious to learn though, Ronnie, if just to stay on this topic, like what is your thought on um, burnout and working too much? Um, you know, do you believe in burnout? Do you believe in that there is such thing as balance? Um, as you continue to get older and experience more things, um, what is your thoughts on, you know, making sure that you can be present and also, you know, not block out the things that are happening around you? It's, it's challenging. Um, I am probably the hardest on myself. Um, I have three kids and, a, you know, incredible wife who's extremely strong and you have to find that partner. If you're not as, you know, a single entrepreneur, um, God bless mother entrepreneurs out there because um, I see what my wife goes through and to be able to balance that and her support and, you know, uh, it, it's just, it's different being a mother than it is being a father. I can just tell you that that's like, you know, the expectations from the children. And so it's incredible watching that. And that's the entrepreneurial job in itself is being the CEO of the home. So it's like entrepreneurial women who, um, and mothers who who do this is it's incredible and that balance is very difficult and i think the self-guilt is very hard because you feel like you end up failing on both ends a lot of time is you're dropping balls somewhere all the time you know the analogy of there's only three things you can do really well in life you only can do two of them at the same time right so whether that be self family and business you gotta pick two you can't do it all three and so unfortunately that you know to find that kind of balance i think is the hard part um, of all three and how do they work together? And I still haven't figured it out transparently. There's days that shift, right? Like I'll be a good self day and good family day one day. And then I'll feel guilty about not working enough or that I didn't move something or I didn't push something forward. And then I'll go family and work the next day or work priority family. And like right now I'm in a very much work family mode, right? And I have to come to that consensus with my wife of like, I need to focus this week heavily on work and I need your support so that I can spend X amount of time executing because you know there's timelines and there's things that others can't do and I'm blocking people you know I'm blocking the company right now and so you know it is I don't have a clear answer for you and if I had the answer you know if anybody has the answer please hit me up on what the secret is because I talk with founders and I talk to people and it's not a, a down the line you know resilience is critical you know like being you know, tenacity and resilience as a founder is like you're going up and down multiple times a day. There's going to be wins and losses and finding that balance 
and taking those quick wins, I think is what pushes you forward, finding those moments. Um, but I, I don't really have, you know, it's hard. I don't have a clear answer for you. No. Well, let, let, yeah. let's talk about, let's talk about, um, the difference between, um, a founder entrepreneur and leadership a little bit, you know, you mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm the bottleneck. If, if I don't take these things on, these things don't get done. Sometimes, sometimes. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about, uh, you know, over the past five years, I take it 2018 is what you said. Yep. So over the past five years, what have been the core factors that you have, that have attributed to growth from a leadership perspective? So what have you done as a leader over the past five years that have enabled growth in the company? Um, I, I think it's finding great people around you. And there are many times, that, you know, having a great partner is important. And, you know, that finding that balance between that partnership and trust. And I think the core units of a great leader, when I look at who we hire now and the difference in, in changing how we hire, how that's progressed over time, and that's when I talk about leadership is who do I want to surround myself with? And we just read the book. We read, read, the, we read a book um, every quarter as a leadership team. So we, uh, we read Who Not How, which is a fantastic, um, I don't remember the author, but um, I can get it for you. Who Not How. Um, and it, it restates this concept of who do you have around you that is able to take that concept of like, it's not all on me, which is, as a founder or leader, you tend to feel that way, that only you can do it, only I can do it, and really expanding that concept of that's why you have leaders around you, and that's why you have the right people around you. Um, pushing that more has definitely driven my driven the business forward, but from a, from a personality traits, and what we expect out of our values is what I think keeps consistency, which is being humble, transparent, vulnerable, and resilient. And those are like the traits that we look for in the human. So that's the who concept. But what makes that who I always talk about is being willing and able. That are you willing to roll up your sleeves? Are you willing to go all in? Are you willing to be a partner in this? Are you willing to, if everything blows up around us, believe in the, you believe in the vision and the mission that you're willing to be resilient. And then the last piece is, are you able to? Are you able to execute? Do you have the skill sets? Do you have the knowledge? Are you able to learn? Are you hungry to learn? Are you uncomfortable? Are you comfortable being uncomfortable? Where you will be willing to be uncomfortable and able to function through that uncomfortable resilience. When you don't know something, you're going to go and research it. You're going to go and learn it. You're going to go and figure it out. Um, and those are really the, the, the key traits that I look at for, for teams. It makes a lot of sense. And, and is that reflected in your hiring process as well? Are you looking for values aligned individuals Very much. And, and folks who say, hey, are you willing to, to take on a job that you may not be learn, know how to do? Absolutely. You know, I, I, I want special, you know, we, as we grow as a company, you go from more generalist to specialist, you know, absolutely. And there's the right kind of tool for the right kind of job. And I don't mean to call people tools, but like they're assets, of course, but like they have they have their own tool and skill sets, right? Like each individual has tools that they have, they're armed with. And um, 
you go from more of a Swiss army knife to a steak knife, right? As you grow as a company and who you look for. And I think that those utility players are extremely important, but especially when I start looking for that um, kind of sharp knife, I needed to be really embodying all those. You, you know, you, when you're hiring at a more entry-level consultant, um, call it a, you know, one to five years out of college role, you can look for that generalist who has those values. Everyone has to have those values. They may not have the skills, but those values have to embody them. The other side of that is yes, when, when you're looking at leadership hires, um, I start the who willing and able because if they don't have that, I can't, you know, the values come out, we'll have those conversations, but I want to make sure that they fit the, the who is those values, but like the, the, the end core of that is, you know, willing and able. They have to have all the skills that you're going through all that conversation through our process. I'm, I'm typically not in that conversation. And then I end up having an hour or two focused conversations on willing, you know, who willing and able with any executive hires or leadership hires. I love it. It makes a lot of sense and, and very simple as well in terms of kind of what you're looking for in an individual. It's very helpful. Well, Ron, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Um, crazy. The time's already up. I'm sure we could talk forever about hiring, entrepreneurship and leadership. Uh, congratulations on the launch today uh, or tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow new site. Yeah. Tomorrow, everyone go ahead and check it out. Um, and Ronnie, let's just bring this home. In all of this, what is your definition of a real leader? My definition of a real leader is being a best friend. It's my favorite value we have. And being a best friend is the term of think about yourself as kind and vulnerable to your employees, to your team, to your, you know, call it what you will, your, your community. Is that showing up in a best friend mentality, just like you would to a best friend, which is you're going to be direct with them. You're going to bullshit with them and, and tell them, you know, have fun with them. But when they're wrong, you're going to tell them that they're wrong and you're going to say it out of love and you're going to say it with vulnerability and you can get in an argument, but you're going to come back and you're going to say, we're here because we believe in the right mission and friendship. We believe in why we're here and why we exist. There's roots in that concept of a best friend. When we think about being a best friend, it is that vulnerable, transparent, humble, and honest and saying, you can take feedback. You can get feedback. You can learn together. You can have fun together. But when you set out to do something together it's that you go on a you know on an adventure together and you're you're going to go through ups and downs but you're going to come back and you're going to say that was incredible and let's do it again i love that that's that's how you want to show up never heard of that before go go in the back there right be a best friend on that whiteboard i love that ronnie ronnie sage i'm kevin edwards asking you go out there and be a best friend folks not to forget always keep it real thanks Ronnie. thank you so much kevin have a great day Thank you, everybody. Hey, Releaders, thanks again for listening to this amazing episode. And if you're someone like me who goes all the way to the end just to make sure I can extract as much information, education, and inspiration out of every single interview, might I suggest you check out our magazine. If you go online to realtors.com today, you're gonna get the first 30 days for free where you're gonna be able to access all of our magazines, 
courses and live events from some of the top thought leaders around the world. All you have to do is go online to realleaders.com and click the subscribe button in the top right corner to get your free 30-day trial right now. Again, that's real-leaders.com. Thanks again for being a real leader and always keep it real.